Good evening. You're on equal footing with Dove Tuzman. Our subject tonight kind of riffs on last week, which I'll get to in a second. I think there's some apologies or at least some explanations due on last week's show, which was very controversial as it turned out. I got a lot of hate mail, a lot of messages came through, also some support, and I'm glad people are engaged in the subject matter. This is an extension. The topic this week is around fidelity but not in a romantic context or a friendship context, but in the context of spiritual mentorship, the relationships that we have with ministers and rabbis and gurus and other spiritual teachers and and masters. We've entitled tonight's program, I Need a New Guide, Breaking Up with Your Spiritual Mentor. Before I introduce our guests from, from different parts of the, let's say, religious spectrum, spiritual teachers and seekers themselves, I want to just address last week's show for a moment. Last week was about uh, finding fidelity in both traditional and open relationships and kind of what does fidelity mean in less traditional relationship structures. I know it was a very difficult topic for some of our listeners to uh, engage in. And I want to remind everyone that the purpose of this show is to allow us to see that we can hold differing points of view. Uh, we can, in fact, disagree vehemently with each other. We can think that the other person's on the wrong path, and yet we can still listen because it's proven psychologically and sociologically that we don't convince anyone by shouting at them. We don't convince anyone by shaming them. The way we bring people to our point of view is by listening and engaging and hearing the other side and even being a devil's advocate and taking the other side in very difficult uh uh, issues. And so I know for, for many of us that are part of this show, I consider us kind of a family, we're faith oriented. Not everybody, but many of the people that listen to the show and tonight's, uh, you know, topic is also around faith and our relationship with faith. So it can be sometimes very difficult to talk about issues that we've addressed earlier in other programs from, uh, depression. Uh, to uh, heartbreak, uh, to disenchantment on the spiritual path, to, to balancing material life and spiritual life. But these are topics that just because if we don't talk about them, just because we might decide not to talk about them doesn't mean we don't confront these issues in our life. It doesn't mean that others aren't confronting them. And so to bring it to the fore and to talk about it in a society that even in traditional religious communities has a very high divorce rate, uh, it's important to talk about why and are there alternative relationship structures that work? And even if you vehemently disagree with those relationship structures, open uh, relationships, uh, uh, gay relationships, whatever it might be relative to your stance and, and lifestyle, it doesn't hurt to hear where people are coming from. That being said, I want to apologize for if last week's show offended anyone's uh, sensibility uh, and to say that uh, this week, we're also going to dive into some controversial subject matter and to make sure that, uh, you know, you're aware, kind of caveat emptor, if you're listening, we're going to talk about the times on the spiritual path when we do need to switch mentors, switch rabbis, switch pastors, and uh, and sometimes that can be as a result of 
behavior that we don't want to emulate. Uh, we'll get into some of that in the show. Some of it may have a, a, a graphic or, or disturbing element to it, or it could be just that we need a new teacher at a different point in the path and a new, a new mentor. And we are going to be touching on the issue of fidelity in a romantic context from a biblical or uh, religious law perspective on a future show. I'm, I'm delighted to say that Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson, who's been on the show before, has agreed to do that in the future. All right. So let's get into tonight's program around the concept of breaking up with your spiritual mentor. I've got three wonderful guests in the line. I'm going to start by introducing the Reverend Dr. David Taylor. Reverend Taylor's been a chaplain for 29 years. He's a native of Vero Beach, Florida. He grew up in a Southern Baptist evangelical home. And we'll hear he's, he's switched to a different denomination in the course of his life. It's part of what we'll talk about tonight. Reverend Taylor earned his Master's of Divinity from the Southern Theological Seminary. He also has a Master's of Religious Studies from the University of Cape Town in South Africa and a doctorate from the Virginia Episcopal Seminary. During his time in South Africa, Reverend Taylor was on a Rotary Scholarship and interned with Nobel Prize Laureate Bishop Desmond Tutu. I think that was the Nobel Peace Prize that Bishop Tutu uh, was awarded. Reverend Taylor has served as a chaplain to major and minor league baseball teams, veterans hospitals, retirement communities, prisons, and numerous academic institutions. So I'm delighted to have Reverend Taylor on the line. And I'd like to introduce our next guest, Daigi Thomas Stab. Daigi Stab is a respected academic. He's a Zen Buddhist. After graduating from Harvard University in 1995, Daigi Tom has started his career in corporate America at corporate at uh, pardon me at Procter and Gamble, but he soon found it bereft of meaning and was impe- impelled to dedicate more of his life to the spiritual path. In 1997, Daigi Stab became a dedicated meditation practitioner in Siddha Yoga. We actually talked a little bit about cults and Siddha Yoga in particular on a previous show, and he was a full time devotee in the Siddha Yoga ashram for a time. Then in 2003, he met his Zen teacher. And ever since, he's been a member of the Zen Studies Society of New York. He's a Rinzai layman in the samurai tradition of Zen Buddhism. And since 2007, Tom uh, Daigi Stab has taught high school world history and world religion at prestigious secondary institutions, first at Dwight School in New York City and currently at St. Andrew's School in Boca Raton, Florida. And I would add Wonderfully, that Daigi Stab and Reverend Taylor actually teach a world religions course together, which is uh, new since the last time that either of these gentlemen have been on the show. Our third guest tonight is Yaakov Shapiro, rabbi. He's an ordained rabbi. No, it's not what he practices on a day-to-day basis professionally. Uh, rabbi Shapiro grew up in a conservative, get this, these are various parts of the Jewish life, grew up in a conservative Modern Orthodox, Lithuanian Haredi, and Chabad Hasidic environment in different schools. He earned a rabbinical ordination in the last, the Chabad Hasidic movement, and he's been a researcher, translator, writer, and filmmaker for Chabad Chabad Lubavitch's media wing, and he's currently spending his days in the world of business. Uh, Rabbi Yaakov was a co-founder and 10-year board member of the Lamplighters Yeshiva in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, which is a progressive Jewish lab school in the capital, really, of the ultra-conservative Chabad Hasidic movement, which is Crown Heights in uh, New York City. And Rabbi Yaakov is also an author of an academic book series entitled Sexuality and Jewish Law in Search of a Balanced Approach in Torah. He's currently working on another book 
to clarify for himself and articulate to others his own personal journey, which we'll talk about tonight, called The Second Generation of Redemption, Rereading the Past, Present, and Future of the Chabad Hasidic Movement. Rabbi Shapiro, Reverend Taylor, Daigistab, welcome to Equal Footing. Thank you, Dale. Thank you. Let's dive into the idea of separation from your spiritual mentor. First of all, spiritual mentor means different things in different religious contexts. Reverend Taylor, I think as a non-Christian in my my religious path, I think of Christianity as having only one spiritual master, Jesus. Uh, Is there a different type of day-to-day mentorship relationship uh, in the Christian uh, faith that we should be aware of? I I think that there is, uh, Dove, and it's a pleasure to be back. Thank you for having me. I I think that Jesus in Christianity is always seen as the the idea of perfection. And then through that, in looking at Jesus with his own disciples, with his own students, throughout religious history in the Christian Church, there always seems to be the discipleship or the mentor-mentee master-student relationship that that goes through. In ordained parts of Christianity, usually that is phrased as like a spiritual director that a priest or a minister would have as a consult uh, to be able to work through difficult situations. But it, it can go from anything from ministers to pastoral counselors to like the lowest form, which I think is something we're all familiar with, something like a life coach that people will be involved with. And in, in, I know that there are different denominations, of course, of, of Christian life. You've been in, in, in at least a couple of, of them in your, in your uh, professional life and personal life. Are you supposed to stick with one spiritual director who's not the master and the master-disciple relationship of Jesus, but someone who's living and you know day-to-day your whole life? Or are you supposed to like move around to different spiritual directors as your life moves on? I think that the idea, and I'm specifically looking at the Episcopal Church as opposed to my Baptist upbringing, um, usually if you are moving from one diocese to the other, uh, there's the idea that you would have a spiritual director or a confidant with someone within that diocese. So as you move, you would be able to find someone who is local, uh, more so than trying to carry over a past relationship or anything like that. So there's a little bit more fluidity, I think, in most Christian circles than opposed to other uh, religious practices. I think in a certain sense it's probably the advantage of having an absolute master figure of, of Jesus. Daigi Stab on the in the Eastern traditions, and I've sojourned probably 15, 20 years of my life in those traditions, the, the master-disciple relationship is actually absolutely key and often encouraged to be the, the constant for your whole life. Is that right? Yes, absolutely, and I uh, feel fortunate to be a great beneficiary of this tradition um, that really started in India, but in my case made it all the way to Japan. And specifically what I mean is uh, the notion uh, of a spiritual seeker, like uh, spending many years to find their teacher. And you know, when you know your teacher, you just know it in the core of your being. And uh, so it is, it is uh, very sacred in the Eastern, gen, uh, Eastern traditions in, in general, uh, but in, in Hinduism and Buddhism, the two uh, branches that I've personally practiced, um, it's, it's, a, it's a really big deal. And so when I practiced Hinduism, the, the, my, my teacher was, was a bit distant. Uh, it was a large community, and I didn't have much 
uh, direct one-on-one interaction with her. Um, however, when I met uh, my first Zen teacher, it was deeply personal. And I want to um, just to invite you to connect to pop culture. I think we're most of us are old enough to remember this television show called Kung Fu, where the young uh, Kung Fu uh, practitioner would meet one-on-one with, with his master. And we still retain that tradition in Zen. Um, and the conversations are abstract and profound that create a really close bond. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, and once you have a close teacher-student relationship, yeah, you, you stick with that um, because it's, it's, it's seen to just get better with time. I know you prefer to be called Yaakov, so I'll, I'll, I'll say Yaakov instead of Rabbi Shapiro. Uh, Yaakov, yeah. you know, as we're both Jews, and in the Jewish faith, uh, you have this concept of a mashpia. Can you explain that to our listenership who might not be aware about that? And beyond the mashpia, is there a are you supposed to have a spiritual director like Reverend Taylor referred to, or is it is it different in the Jewish faith? So uh, let me back up and just say from let's say from a, a more macro historical perspective, where Judaism says man came from and where they're going in the end. At the very beginning, Adam and Eve had a direct connection with God, spoke directly with God. The prophets tell us that in the future, no man will teach other man because every man will know God directly. So in, in, a, in a greater sense, we're, the ultimate is that we should all, in a sense, have our mentor, our master, should be God directly. Mm-hmm. After, according to the biblical narrative, you know, man fell, so kind of like humankind collectively needs to kind of help each other get back to that stage. So in that interim, there is a, a very strong concept of a master-disciple relationship uh, within Judaism, um, it's usually, there's a, 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 a teaching in the Turkey Avot, the Ethics of the Fathers, it says, make for yourself a teacher, um, set for yourself a, a guide, a teacher. Um, some of the rabbinic teachings even say that cleaving to a spiritual teacher is tantamount to cleaving to God, because in a sense, you know, God is a remote concept. What does God even mean? And, or, uh, you know, the only, in any religion, the only way to really connect with God is through the teachings of what God is about. So um, the concept of the master, you know, master and disciple uh, relationship is is core, especially in the oral tradition. Uh, like I mentioned in the ethics of the fathers, begins. So, and the sorry, f- sorry, the interruption. So, so the master disciple relationship is core. But what is that you hear about this mashpia concept? What what is that in Judaism? So the mashpia is one form, and and let me just lay out the different forms. There's you know people hear the name a rabbi, right? They think of a rabbi as being a spiritual teacher. Uh, really, within Judaism, there's there's a prophet, there's a judge, there's a rabbi, there's a mashpia, there's a mashkiach, there's a rebbe. These are different concepts. Uh, a prophet, obviously, is speaking, re- relaying the words of God. A judge is more in a legal uh, context. A rabbi is also more in a legal context uh, of, on a lesser level than a judge, but it can also be today in a spiritual level. A mashkiach and a mashpia are more dedicated purely to spiritual guidance. Mashkiach is a term that's used more in the Lithuanian uh, world, uh, ultra-Orthodox world, uh, in the Musser ethical uh, movement, and the Mashpia is more in the Hasidic movement. Mashpia, uh, particularly in the Chabad movement, which is the movement that I have spent most of my spiritual uh, upbringing in, um, in, the, in the Hasidic movement as well, there's the concept of the Hasidic Rebbe, who's kind of like the grandmaster, um, and he basically has the, relays the core teachings, and then the mashpia's role is to uh, explain those teachings to the, the average person, the average student, 
who might not have the breadth and depth of learning to really understand the teachings of the Rebbe. So that's the concept of a mashkia. Got it. So we're going to take a break in a minute. Afterwards, we're going to get through the breakup stories because I just wanted to give you a little anecdote. If you go into Amazon and you look up like books on breaking up relationships or you look on books uh, on conscious decoupling or whatever it might be that has to do with ending a romantic relationship, I just put in one of these searches. I got 47 results. The other, I got 83 results. Then I put various searches in about breaking up with a spiritual master, with a spiritual teacher, with a rabbi, with a minister, with a pastor. And I got nothing that was actually relevant. So we don't talk about this. It's kind of like breaking up with your therapist as well. We, it, there are these incredibly painful breakups that cause extraordinary heartache. But there's also heartache and soul ache or soul break when we, when we separate from a spiritual master, from a spiritual mentor that we've had, whether it be a spiritual director in Christianity, whether it be a, a guru in kind of a, an Eastern way of putting it or a Zen master, or whether it be a rabbi or a mishpia in the Jewish path. To participate in this discussion, please do. You can call in 718-303-9090 is our number. That's 718-303-9090. If you're shy about being on the air, call in and don't say your name. Soon we're going to have a voice scrambler so people can really be anonymous. You could also text in a question, 917-428-4062. That's 917-428-4062. Get in on this discussion about getting a new spiritual guide, breaking up with your spiritual mentor, your spiritual uh, teacher. We'll be right back on Equal Footing. Breaking up is hard to do. Don't take your love away from me. Don't you leave my heart in misery. If you go, then I'll be blue. Cause breaking up is hard to do. Tonight's program of Equal Footing with Dove Tuzman is brought to you by Mechanical Art Capital. Mechanical Art Capital offers financing, easy to access, quick cash for watch collectors and watch dealers from anywhere in the world. Unlock the value of your watch collection. Don't let it sit and gather dust. Your inventory, if you're a dealer, go to Mechanical Art Capital. They give you guaranteed buyback contracts, quite low-cost financing in the context of that type of business. Up to one year. For more information, call 833-209-0972. That's 833-209-0972. Operators are standing by. You can also uh, get in touch with them online at www.mechanical artcapital.com. At Mechanical Art Capital, you get funds quickly and discreetly, typically one to two business days, and your timepieces are stored, meanwhile, in a secure location in Manhattan, New York, and you can have your watches back whenever you're ready. Safe and simple, contact Mechanical Art at 833-209-0972. I've been All right, we're back on Equal Footing. I'm Dove Tuzman, on with my guests, Reverend David Taylor, Daigi Thomas Stab, Rabbi Yaakov Shapiro, and we are talking about breaking up, it's hard to do, with our spiritual mentor. Reverend Taylor, tell us about your breakup story. Well, I guess the most uh, prolific uh, and hurtful breakup story was uh, one of the reasons that I left the Baptist Church, and that was in the time, um, and I'm a bit older than the rest of you, but in the mid-80s, um, early 90s, when I was um, going through some marital problems, uh, it was clear that I was going to be um, going through a divorce. 
And um, I was basically told just straight up, my role in the Baptist Church, uh, as I knew it, was not going to happen any longer. So I've, I've been on the reciprocal side of, uh, you know, having to break up when the institution just kind of looked at me as an ordained member and was like, yeah, I don't think you're going to make it here anymore. Thanks so much. We've enjoyed our time. You know, God bless you as you go kind of thing. And so that's one way uh, that I've experienced a, a breakup. On the other side, I've been a mentor for folks in a counseling situation, and then once they've gotten through that season of turmoil, they didn't want to hang out with me anymore because <laughs> I was a reminder of that traumatic time. And how do you take it when a, when a, a con- someone in your congregation or in your flock, so to speak, breaks up with you and says, I, I need to move on? Uh, I guess it's kind of rough in maturity. It's sort of like, you know, your first breakup is the hardest. Uh, You think, is it me? Is it personal? You know, what is this? I think after it happens a lot, you realize that as long as people are moving toward a better relationship with themselves and a better relationship with their definition of God, that that it's either a reason, a season, or a long-term thing. And it's many times uh, more beneficial for them to be able to create new vistas and to move on Mm. from a place that I may not be able to mentor them to. You know, listeners, key on what Reverend Taylor just said. He's been a a spiritual counselor for 30 years, uh, has in in lots of institutional contexts. And basically, I hear you giving a blessing and saying there is a time to move on, to to transition to different types of spiritual directorship and mentorship, at least in, in that in that in that uh, path of faith. Daggy Stab, tell us your breakup story. Ah, uh, it was uh, it was a, a heavy hearted breakup story, um, deeply uh, personal, um, and uh, I just want to preface this slightly because um, the. You know, the teacher-student relationship being very central uh, to Buddhism, uh, it's also kind of connected to the way we see the Buddha. And so I think it's worth uh, explaining that, you know, uh, by contrast, in, in Christianity, Christ is on another plane entirely. Right. Whereas in Buddhism, the Buddha never claimed to be anything other than a down-to-earth human being who learned how to transcend suffering. But he's just a human being, and in fact... He initiated this teacher-student lineage that has been maintained through thousands of years. And so what that means when, in Buddhism, we accept someone as our teacher, uh, we don't talk about ranks of enlightenment. I mean, a a Zen teacher is acknowledged to be an enlightened being. And they're not, not, there's no meaningful distinction between their enlightenment and the Buddha's enlightenment. So we need to remember that the Buddha was human, enlightenment is not superhuman, but the teacher sitting right in front of you is the living continuation of the Buddha. So we do honor them, you know, like Christ in our presence. And so when you develop a close personal relationship with someone that you consider to be on the same level as the Buddha, it's a deep soul love. It's a heart, like a, right. all of your heart and all of your soul. And you had that and it ended, or what happened? It was um, very difficult, um, but uh, basically my, my teacher uh, in, engaged in consensual sexual relations with some of his female, adult female students, and it was just um, unethical. Um, I think the power 
dynamic was similar to that of a psychiatrist sleeping with their patients, and it was uh, deeply troubling to the community once the, the the scandal broke. And at first, it was it was truly perplexing. Like, how could this enlightened being behave this way? And it made me question all of the teachings. Mm. Uh, and I think that's that's. That's natural, you know, to, to, is, but it really put me into kind of a, a head spin to try to figure out what, what was the truth of what I experienced through this luminous being. And, and that's the hardest part, is that he, he still continued to be a pretty incredible person, despite his very human flaws. But I had to part ways uh, publicly, because I felt that, you know, what he had done was wrong, and, and institutionally we had to, to part ways with him. Um, and it was... Yeah, it was a, a deep heartbreak and, and, and soul break uh, for a while. And uh, I then, you know, eventually healed. Yeah, I want to get back to what happened next, but I want to turn to, to you, uh, Rabbi Yaakov. You know, there's a, there was a teacher, Adyashanti, who once said, if you want a perfect spiritual teacher, get a dead one. <laughs> and I think, you know, there, it's uh, always the, the, the living spiritual master or mentor is is flawed and 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 and, and Daigi Stab just talked about how do you separate you know what you what you keep and what you hold as sacred from from that relationship and what you feel like you need to discard when you discover that it's not the right fit or god forbid there's some you know some sort of um you know real behavioral lapse like like uh, Daigi Stab just talked about what what is your breakup story Yaakov so <clears throat> my story uh Thank God doesn't involve having discovered something about my master, like my, my my mentor, teacher, master that was ethically or morally objectionable. Um, I spent about twenty years in the Chabad Hasidic movement, um, and uh, I actually worked, you know, as for lack of a better word, as a, in, in missionary outposts, both as a student um, and as an assistant rabbi. Um, and ultimately worked for almost 10 years as, uh, I guess, an evangelist of sorts, uh, working for the media wing of the Chabad uh, headquarters, putting out uh, video resources for the uh, Chabad rabbis that are around the world, in, in the outposts around the world. Um, and in, especially in the Chabad, in the Hasidic movement in general, and especially in the Chabad movement, having a master-disciple relationship, literally, um, the experience of it is literally, in a sense, catching yourself uh, or subjugating one's, one's will, one's intellect, one's emotions to, to the Master's will uh, teachings. Right, and in, in the Hasidic movement, movement, unlike other movements within Judaism or, or, or sects, okay. it's, it's really like a guru-disciple relationship. Yes. You know, people talk about, uh, you know, the success of Chabad around the world, and it has been a very successful movement, and I, be- and I believe a very positive movement. But when we talk about success of it, I think sometimes people point to, you know, their inclusiveness, their open-armedness, you know, I, I say open-armedness because I came to realize, and I'll explain in a moment, that Chabad is very open-armed, but in a certain sense, they're not open-minded, and that's really where my, uh, the departure happened for me. Um, as I said, I, I had, for about 20 years, had this relationship with the Rabbi, Rabbi Menachem Mendelssohn, who was the leader of the Chabad movement, who I still respect enormously, and I look to him as a, as a role model and as one of the people I respect most. <laughs> um, but in my, in my work uh, for the, um, you know, putting out the videos and also just in my own, I'm a, I happen to be a researcher, as you mentioned before, I'm a writer, and I was very much involved in Chabad history and just understanding the theology. 
Um, I came across certain things in my research that just made me rethink uh, certain ways that I was taught how to understand uh, Hasidic teaching and Jewish teaching in general. And uh, ultimately, I came across certain teachings of Rabbi Schneerson himself that were reported in his name, uh, certain things that he himself had, had written or edited, and certain things that were not edited by him, but that were reported by the, uh, the team that puts out his official teachings, uh, certain fundamentalist views about things that I just could no longer uh, accept. And I just had to be honest with myself that I could not accept them. And, and that was both, both those elements, the certain research things that started making me re-examine my understanding of the entire uh, worldview of the Chabad Hasidic movement, as well as Rabbi Schneerson's specific fundamental views, really, they, they really shook me. Um, I was angry at God. Um, there was a sense of a loss of identity. Um, it, was, it was extremely traumatic, um, especially when you've, like I said, subjugated really your whole identity. Right, you, you, you were, your, your whole life you had, you had given, you had given over. And uh, Reverend Taylor, to, to expand on what you were hearing here from, from Yaakov, uh, what happens next? Uh, you know, you, you've been through your own breakup with your own uh, spiritual directorship, let's say, and you've been on the other side as being, you've had a, a congregation, a, a flock, or folks that you've been counseling for decades. When there's a breakup, you know, what happens next? How do you avoid free fall? Does that mean you need to leave a certain path for a while? Is it just a matter of finding another individual with which you have chemistry? I think that a lot of it has to do with just simple concepts of honesty, self-honesty and awareness. You know, realize potentially what am I bringing to this breakup? You know, it's not you, it's me kind of idea that many times we go through. Right. But it, when you recognize with yourself what the long-term goals are, and one of the things that I'd like to point that I think all three of us share is that there's if, if there is an issue where you are not working towards something greater than yourself, that that should be uh, a siren, a red flag. I think it was Lenny Bruce who said, any preacher with more than two suits is a hustler. And I think that we can easily fall into a pattern that if we're not being honest of our own needs, but also I think we have to be very, very openly subjective and critical of those people that we put in spiritual guide positions. Because many times, uh, even the... Uh, with the evangelical world this week, Ravi Zacharias, who is a famed Christian apologist, uh, he has, in his death, a whole wave of scandals has right. uh, been uncovered. And so therefore, I think we have to be honest with ourselves, honest with what we're looking for, and then in the Christian perspective, looking through Christ to something that is bigger than myself. You know, we've been talking to some extent about big picture issues where there's a real break of trust or there's a sense that there's underlying ideology we don't agree with. But Daggy Stab, what, what about has having been a seeker and also been a counselor and a, and, a, and a teacher, what about the more mundane breakup? What about when you know, you just don't feel it anymore. Uh, you, you have a, a sense that they don't get you, or maybe you have a fight or an argument where you feel like you were, you were wronged, or maybe you do wrong to your spiritual teacher, and that's for the reason it doesn't, it doesn't work anymore. Should you just stick it out like a marriage that just goes through up and down, ups and downs, or is it okay to just say, you know, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to be a serial spiritual seeker monogamist, but I'm going to go to my next, my next teacher? Stick. It out. 
simple answer. First one, absolutely stick it out. Stick with it. See where it leads you. Um, and, and again, I mean, to, to, to acknowledge not when there's been a break of trust, but when, yeah, you're just not feeling it. I'd say, number one, just stick with it because there will be ups and downs in any relationship. And as long as that trust is still there, it's something to be discovered. I, I'd say um, stick with it as long as you possibly can um, because, you know, uh, you, we learn as much from the dull times or the down times yeah. as we do from, from the highs and the feelings of, of progress, you know, on the spiritual path. So I would say, you know, first rule, just stick with it as long as you possibly can, but when you can't, then you'll know, you know, when, when there's been a break of trust in a deep way, then, then you'll know when, when you need to move on. But if you're questioning, I'd say stick with it. Just uh, see what happens next. I, I, love, I love the discussion. There isn't enough of this, I think, in the relationship realm, romantic relationships, spouses, boyfriends, girlfriends. You hear about this a lot when, you know, going through the vicissitudes of the relationship versus what's really material for breakup. And you hear, you know, that uh, when you're ready for your next soulmate, there's so much guidance out there. But in this realm, there, there isn't as much guidance, or at least not to, doesn't appear that there is to me, that clear guidance of when is the break point. We've got a couple of great questions on this very topic that have come in by text. Participate in the conversation. If you want to call in at 718-303-9090, we're talking about breaking up with your spiritual mentor when you feel like you need a new guide. And you can also text a question to 917-428-4062. We'll be right back on Equal Footing. I want to break free. Equal Footing with Dove Tuzman is sponsored by MDCS Dermatology, your experts in skincare. With two Manhattan locations and four offices in Long Island, including Plainview and Comac, the dermatologists and skincare surgeons at MDCS are proud to be affiliated with the Albert Einstein College of Medicine and New York Presbyterian Hospital. So schedule your next skin exam in one of MDCS's convenient New York area locations. To make an appointment, go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-DERM. That's 212-661-3376. You can even schedule a virtual video visit with MDCS's board-certified dermatologists from the comfort and safety of your own home. So go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-3376. And don't forget to mention Equal Footing for 15% off all cosmetic procedures. Hey, we're back on Equal Footing. I'm Dove Tuzman. I'm on with Reverend David Taylor, Daigi Thomas Stab, Rabbi Yaakov Shapiro, coming at this conversation from a Christian perspective, from an Eastern tradition, Buddhist perspective, from a Jewish perspective, around the spiritual mentor, the spiritual teacher. When do we stick it out when we've got difficult times in a relationship with our spiritual mentor? When do we move on? I want to ask, uh, go to a question here from one of our listeners. I'm going to pull this up because it actually had to do with what we were talking about right before the break, this concept of, you know, what, what's the break point in that, in that relationship? And uh, Ricardo from Austin, Texas, um, asks a, a couple things. First, does one need to trust but verify when it relates to their spiritual mentor? And he subsequently says, I believe that challenging or double-checking on your mentor can actually strengthen the relationship. 
Reverend Taylor, what's your view on Ricardo's question? To begin with, Ricardo, thank you, and I hope that you're doing well and are warm in Austin at this uh, at this point. Definitely, I would agree with you to trust and to, to verify, because, again, as I previously mentioned, if there's no high degree of honesty and communication, and if you and your mentor are not working towards your betterment as individuals and as a couple going towards a greater spiritual goal, uh, I think that you need to be able to hold each other accountable as you are uh, as you are talking about in your question. I would wholeheartedly agree the trust and verify approach because I think again going into the relationship, being honest and being open in communication is going to be for the benefit of everyone. Yaakov, let's play the devil's advocacy you and I together because I, I hear where Reverend Taylor's coming from, but to Ricardo's question. Isn't there a place for the leap of faith? I know in the Jewish faith, there's so many times when, you know, we're told that, you know, the mystical understanding. I know I got in trouble a few months ago on a show that, uh, that actually, uh, we have, so we did together, uh, with Daigie Stab and, and Reverend Taylor on King David in the Bible. And I said some things on that show that for me was about verifying understanding, but just even asking the questions themselves, you know, got me in hot water. So I, I'm a little confused in the Jewish world. You know, how are, how is it that it's encouraged to, or is it encouraged to kind of verify, so to speak, that with our, uh, our spiritual director versus kind of, you know, taking what we're being told as coming from a more educated or more erudite source? Uh, well, it's it's interesting because I, I, I like to just quote two, two Talmudic uh, passages about that. One, one is very negative about, you know, anyone who questions their teacher uh, is considered it's very, very negative, you know, which seems to imply that a person should just be have blind faith in the teacher, which we know, obviously, uh, I, I would believe is only after a person is verified that the teacher is, is, is uh, a teacher that can be relied upon. And if we're talking about what, what is the criteria for that, there's, there is a teaching from the Talmud that it says that you should only ter- accept a master who is like an angel. If a person is not like an angel, not to accept him as, as your master. And I think you know, on the, on the other hand, we're taught in the Torah that, that the Torah was not given to angels, that man is not perfect like angels. So I think the real question is, what is an angel? And the, the Jewish understanding of an angel is basically an entity. The difference between an angel and a human is a human has free choice. An angel is completely subservient to the will of, of the Creator. He has no selfish motives. So when we talk about finding a teacher who is like an angel, I think that it doesn't mean that the teacher has absolutely perfect intellectual uh, understanding or even necessarily emotional perfection, but they have the most sincere commitment to, uh, to whatever it is that you and he together are working toward, whether it's the will of God, whether it's enlightenment or charity, whatever it is that you're, that you're working toward together, that he has sincere commitment to that, and also humility and selfless. That's a pretty high. That's a pretty high bar. So, <laughs> yeah. so uh, may, may so, I so, chime in but, here? But I, I wanna... Yeah, go ahead, Dougie Stab. Yeah, I just, I just think this this completely resonates uh, with, uh, with with Zen Buddhism in that um, when when uh, Rabbi Yaakov says you know accept a teacher who is an angel, um, there there's something uh, um, palpably selfless about any enlightened master. I would argue of, of any tradition, um, but um, what I'm familiar with is in in, in Zen Buddhism. Uh, the mark of a master is complete and utter egolessness. Mm. Their 
and big-hearted egolessness, and you can feel that in the room. Um, that's a living human angel, is someone who's completely egoless. Mm -hmm. So when you detect some ego in your teacher, question that. And I think this also uh, comes back to the, to the trust, uh, but verify. Um, you know, use that as a litmus test. Uh, so, and uh, if you can, if you can sense or feel their ego in it, there's something off. And this also goes back to what it must be like for them to say goodbye to a former student. If they're coming from egolessness, they don't need anything from that student. They're just there to give. And I would imagine, as Reverend Dr. Taylor says, if a, if a congregation you know member leaves, he just wants the best for them. You know, and if you don't feel that palpably from a spiritual leader saying goodbye then there's something off. There's, there's, if there's ego in it, there's something off, and don't trust it. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. When we were pre-gaming a little bit before the show, uh, Yaakov and I were chatting at one point about the concept that, or this, these stories in, in the Hasidic line of, of Judaism, which has really blossomed over the last several hundred years, how sometimes the, there are lots of stories of the disciple going from one master to another, leaving a master, and it, it, it's, it sometimes comes across as if the master is hurt by that, that there's like an actual, you know, that's really emotionally in, impactful. And, and, Reverend Taylor, I'd like to go back to this point of do we, is the relationship with a spiritual director kind of like meeting new friends or, or lovers? Is, it, is there something similar there where you, you're out there kind of checking out the field, seeing what resonates with you, kind of seeing multiple uh, teachers at the same time? And then when you kind of get to the right teacher for you, uh, you then kind of become exclusive? Is that, is that the, the logical extreme of what we're talking about? <laughs> sort of like, you know, match.com for spiritual directing, you know, what am I looking for? No, I, I don't think, um, I don't think that it's quite uh, that big of a marketplace, but I, I think that you would normally, specifically in the Episcopal Church, you would go through the diocese, and then you would either be matched to begin with, and I think that there's the idea of going into the relationship with good faith, that mm -hmm. you're going to go in for maybe a probationary period, a 90-day period of, you know, uh, how can I work through a specific goal? And then after that probationary period, you would continue on. I, I think that one important thing that I'd like to see, and I appreciate my colleague, um, Daggy Stab, of like, stick it out. One of the things in the Christian tradition is that the idea, and this is personified in St. Paul, St. Paul didn't get along with anybody. Right. St. Paul didn't get along with Peter. St. Paul didn't get along with Barnabas. I don't know of anyone in the epistles that really gets along with St. Paul, but out of that conflict, the message grew. And I think that Christianity sometimes embraces the conflict of how the message can grow by us continue to search for a better relationship. Yaakov, before we, before we go to another break... I mean, I, I was going to an extreme to kind of make the rhetorical point that is it like a dating site, you know, where you're out there trying to meet different different teachers. And uh, but actually, in in Jewish thought, there is something to that. I mean, in, in the Gomorrah, one of the most important uh, textual sources in in Jewish life, there it, it does make reference to the fact that you should have you know one rabbi or a mishpia that you have for you know, understanding Jewish law or halacha and kind of specific rituals and, and so forth, but that you should go to multiple sources when it comes to profound learning and analysis, which does sound a little bit like that shop the marketplace idea. Do I have it wrong in terms of Judaism? Well, 
you know, let me let me share with you a very quick kind of like humorous story that's related in the, in the Gemara, the Talmud that you're quoting. It, there's a, an argument, you know, there's a, Talmud is full of arguments, as everyone knows. One of the arguments is uh, when you have two masters who received, let's say, the tradition, the oral tradition of the of the of the Torah. One of them has a more breadth breadth of data that he receives from the previous generation of the tradition that was passed along. The other one might have less less data, but has greater analytical ability, which is greater. And the Talmud relates a story. Uh, actually, it says what's better is having more, more of the raw data, because the more ingredients you have, you know, that you're starting with that you know are true, then your an- analysis is going to ultimately be more true. Mm-hmm. But the story that it relates is that there was a certain sage who had a student who uh, decided to leave him. And uh, the student left and went to another teacher. And one day, the original teacher found the student on the street. He said, why did you leave me? He said, because with you, every time I ask you a question, you usually rely on your analytical ability. When I ask him a question, he has more of the tradition to build upon to come to a more accurate understanding. So the, so the master said, what do you mean? Give me an example. So the student said, well, what's the, what is the law in this specific case? And uh, the original master used his analysis to come up with an answer. And, he, and the student said to him, well, your analysis contradicts something that the other teacher has that is passed down from the previous generation. So you see from this story, and, and the implication in the end is that the student was right uh, in leaving. Mm-hmm. So the, the Talmud does uh, open, leave it open that this idea of, of, of you know, verifying, like the, the caller asked about. Yes, there does need to be verification. And if you verify that something in your teacher is not up to what your needs are, then uh, the Talmud seems to imply that you, then you can find another master. And it also acknowledges that not every master has perfect knowledge sure you know, so and you may have different different types of masters that are uh, you know different points in your life like different we don't always have just one one soulmate for our whole life i just wanted to relay to the the guests that I, after ricardo asked his question and got his responses he he shared something else here via text which i thought i'd just read that uh, he said he gained more respect and admiration for his priest when he kind of came down a notch and he learned more about his human side and that doesn't mean that he's like spiritually ahead of him, um, but it allowed him to kind of follow his guidance more. And he concludes his comment by saying, this angel stuff doesn't work with me. <laughs> so I think part of the the process here is to learning what path you're on. And that's actually one of the reasons I want to do this show is that there are different r- relationships encouraged in different religious paths in terms of the master disciple, in terms of the spiritual mentor or the spiritual teacher and the student. And that's okay. And that may guide you to a different path altogether. I mean, Daigi Stab talked about, I mean, I don't think you mentioned it in the, I mentioned in the intro, uh, Daigi Stab, but your parents, I think both of them were Lutheran ministers. And so you've gone through a journey from one path to another and then another. And, and uh, Rabbi, uh, excuse me, uh, Reverend Taylor, you talked about going from one uh, Christian dom- dom- denomination to another. I'd like to take just the question, just the question from the caller on line one, and then we're going to go to a break and we'll address the answers after the break. Caller on line one, go ahead. Uh, how are you? Uh, the question I have... Is it Stan? Yes, that's it. Oh, yeah, what Good you evening. Want? You want the money, you're getting the check. <laughs> How are you? Okay. Uh, the question is that, if you want to take a break, I'll stop. I mean, no, 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 ask the question, then we'll take a break and we'll come okay, back. Okay, okay. Uh, you know, just to make a quick comparison, remember Star Wars, Yoda, and Han Solo, the perfect comparison to the enlightened gu- guide 
and Han Solo the following, but it was non-religious. It was almost the same thing. These people that you have as guests, decent men, are, are flawed individuals. What if the person you're telling you says, you know, you don't belong in the religion. You don't need to be here. You don't seem to have what's needed. How do you deal with that? Or how does the person like you deal with the student who says to you, I, I don't see the faith. I have to leave. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with you, that? You're talking about leaving the faith altogether, not just the Yeah. Faith. I mean, well, as, as a, yeah, that's a great guide, it's total failure. That's and a great so, question. So yeah, we're, go we're, we're going to go to a break, and we'll come back and address no that. I'm glad you, glad you brought that up. Thanks, Dan. Okay. you know how I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. Breeze drifting on by, you know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day. It's a new life for me, yeah. It's a new dawn, it's a new day. It's a new life for me. I'm feeling good. Oh, I love Nina Simone. I just, I just couldn't cut that off. All right. Well, Equal Footing with Dove Tusman is sponsored by DocuVax. Are you a small or medium-sized business owner and you're trying to get a handle on a better health benefit for your employees? Maybe you work for a school or a government entity is trying to track who has vaccines that are current. Welcome to DocuVax. It's an easy-to-use digital locker. It's accessible on your smartphone, on the iOS store, on Android, also on your laptop online. It allows you to safely store and get doctors to validate all of your basic medical information, like your immunization records, your vaccines, lab results, x-rays, MRIs, blood tests, etc., Gone are those frustrating days of losing time trying to track down your medical records from your files, having different doctors share test results by fax and email when you get a new healthcare provider, you switch jobs. The DocuVac system goes with you wherever you go. It covers over 60 different important elements of your basic medical profile from COVID, flu, tetanus vaccines, to colorectal and breast cancer screenings, to your blood type, allergies, etc., even things like STDs. To sign up, go to www.docuvax.com or call 833-859-1933. For as little as $6.99 per month, DocuVax subscribers can privately access all of their medical records from a secure HIPAA-compliant digital storage facility. And as a DocuVax subscriber, medical professionals are on call for you 24 hours a day to validate your vaccine records, blood tests, etc., anything in your locker. Your data is never accessible unless you, as a subscriber, want to share it privately with another person or organization. It's based on a proprietary QR-based sharing system that keeps your data secure at all times and all of your information private. So put an end to worrying if you or someone you care about is up to date on a particular vaccine, blood test, or an important preventative screening. Take control of your medical file. Go to docuvax.com. That's D-O-C-U-V-A-X.com. Or call 833-859-1933. That's 833-859-1933. And if you're a small or medium-sized business owner, make sure to ask for group discounts when you're calling. Operators are standing by. I've been caught, but I'm keeping on, keeping on track. And I've been told. 
All right, you're back on equal footing. Our guests, Rev, the Reverend Dr. David Taylor, Daigi Thomas Stab, who is a, a Zen teacher, Rabbi Yaakov Shapiro, who likes to go by Yaakov because in his daily life he's a businessman. We're talking about breaking up, not with your spouse, not with your girlfriend. And by the way, opportunity to, to do a little uh, gender uh, disclaimer. I'm kind of bummed out that we're four men on the show. I really wanted to <laughs> always try, as some listeners know, as, as listeners should know from the past, to try to gender balance. But here we are, uh, four men discussing this. I'm not saying the issue is fundamentally different based on your gender, but I just wanted to say that that was not ideal. But it's a wonderful panel we've got going on talking about this breakup dynamic on the spiritual side. And Stan, before the break, asked a great question. It's actually the around the genesis of the show, which was, let's let's take it beyond the break up with the teacher, but what happens when you get so disillusioned or the process of learning with a particular spiritual director individual actually causes you to go somewhere else, whether it's to a different religious path, atheistic path, what have you. Uh, Daggy Stab, does that resonate with you? Did that happen in your life? Absolutely. As you mentioned, uh, both my parents were Lutheran ministers, and so I was uh, steeped in Christianity. <clears throat> Unfortunately, my, my parents were both very open-minded as well, so I, I didn't have you know a whole lot to, to rebel against, but by the time I was 15, I, I, I knew that the, the teachings just weren't reaching me. I just didn't get it. And there's, there's certain things I'll, I'll have to talk to you about, uh, with, uh, Reverend Dr. Taylor, that I still don't quite understand about Christianity. And so I want to borrow a phrase from Joseph Campbell. He says, there's a secret language written on your heart, and it's your job to find out what is that secret language. And mm. it's just a beautiful mystery that who knew that the language written on my heart happened to be Zen. Took me a while yeah. to find it, but right. when you know it, you know it. Yeah, that's beautiful, Daigi Tom, because I resonate deeply with that. I was born Jewish, but I went through starting in my mid-teens a really 20-year spiritual search. I lived in an ashram. I, I re- it was started by reading Siddhartha by uh, Herman Hess and, and visiting a spiritual master around that time. And, and then went through also a long period of, of, of atheism. And it w- if it wasn't for that journey, I wouldn't have actually been able to discover how Judaism is actually imprinted on my heart, not by just going through rote steps, but actually going off the path for a while, which was in part engendered by not having role models or the role models that I had not not feeling good about them and then getting back to Judaism for the same reason because I had a disillusionment as well with spiritual directors so listening to our heart is so key Yaakov is isn't this partly what happened to you also because you, you you've you've meandered kind of between different elements of 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 Jewish life so, yes, I, I did, like uh, you said in, in the beginning, I, I um, went through many different uh, communities and, and schools in the Orthodox community. Um, but the question, you know, definitely hits home in terms of the the uh, breaking, if you want to call it, with uh, my master that we described earlier. Um, I guess the, the rest of the story is that, you know, after I came across the, the, that research and those teachings that I was unable to reconcile, I did go through a period of questioning, um, you know, and uh, I, w- I just want to say that 
the, the, the place where I am now in terms of, let's say, the leaving was not necessarily leaving, departing from my master, but it was mm-hmm. more of approaching my, that, the Rebbe's teachings as a point of departure towards something new, mm-hmm. which I actually believe his teachings themselves logically lead to. Um, and just to give a, a brief, very short story from the Talmud again about this, it says that... Re- Yaakov, I'm gonna, is, sorry, just time-wise, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, if it's okay, I want to move to Reverend Taylor on the personal experience side for a second, because I think that this idea of the ultimate master in Jesus Christ is a little different than what we have in the other paths represented on on the show. Reverend Taylor, I'm, I hope I don't offend you by asking it this way, but from the outside, so to speak, and, and partially so, because of course I've navigated my whole life in a world full of Christians, right? And I feel, and I've read a lot, and I, and I, and I love the teachings of, of Jesus. What happens, though, when you have an emissary of Jesus, so to speak, that, that, that does things that are so anathema to his teachings? Why should a, a student of a priest that violates violates trust so fundamentally as we've seen for example in the catholic church time and time again why should they stay in a path because isn't it on that path because isn't that person actually vested with the authority and the spirit of of, of jesus yes and i think that's one of the interesting things about christianity the idea of the laying on of hands of apostolic succession going from uh, jesus to peter to all ordained uh, clergy i think that there has to be uh, going back to Stan, you know, quoting Yoda, do or do not, there is no try. You have to be able to look at folks that if people have crossed the line, and that's looking at abuse, if there are laws that are be broken, those people must be held accountable to their actions. But then, as the other side of that, a key point of Christianity is being an emissary of grace. The idea is that God's riches at through Christ's expense is there for the forgiveness of all sins. And so many times in Christianity, there's that dance between accountability and gracious forgiveness. Daggy Stab, I'd like you to finish up here for us. We have about a, a minute, a minute and a half left. The topic tonight has been, I need a new guide breaking up with our spiritual mentor. If anybody listening has gotten to the point where they feel like they need to break up with their spiritual mentor for reasons that are banal or fundamentally ideological, what is a a minute word of wisdom from you based on your life experience? Trust. Trust your heart. In my case, you know, my heart was was broken. My soul was broken over a dear uh, teacher. And um, our institution parted ways with him, and some people stuck with him, and I stuck with the institution. And I had a new teacher, and she was a woman, and had a very different style, and for a while I just didn't know if if she had the stuff to be my teacher, but I stuck with it. Mm-hmm. And there was something brilliant about her, don't get me wrong, she had some real people, I just didn't, she had a different style altogether, and I, I, I trusted the institution, I trusted I trusted um, uh, the tradition, and um, that was the tradition. You know, I, I, you stick with the teacher, and it really worked out. I mean, uh, you don't always get to choose, uh, you know, what what the truth looks like or the truth sounds like. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it might not always be found in a, in a you know charismatic preacher, but you know, um, in fact, uh, but when you know it, you know it. Daggy Thomas Stab, 
the Reverend Dr. David Taylor. Always great to have you guys on the show. Rabbi Yaakov Shapiro, wonderful to have you on the show for the first time. Love to have you guys again. I appreciate the honesty and the openness talking about this transition from one spiritual director to another and the pain sometimes that we go through. May it be growthful for anybody that's going through that now. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. See you.